A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. I am Logan Howard and I am joined as always by Brendan Thomas Merritt. Hi Brendan, how are you doing? Life is wonderful. Uh, you know, it's resurrection weekend. Who can complain? And it's that weekend, so complaining is illegal anyway. Very true. Very true. Um, so what we're going to be doing today in our podcast is we're going to be creating our perfect church with our perfect pastors and um, all the such and the like. Um, so we'll be going back and forth as we uh, fill out our roster of pastors. So, uh, Brendan, if you want to start us off, who would you have as your lead or head pastor? Sure, yeah. Well, I think the best shepherd to lead a post-COVID church is Robin D. Bullock, heralding all the way from Alabama. Uh, he gives the best Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and Dr. Fauci impersonations, unapologetically. He's just he's just hilarious, and uh, yeah, he walks around you know, with long, scraggy black hair and a big black leather jacket, and an anti-vax stamp on his jacket because why not? Um, he calls out. Christians that he thinks behaved nonsensically, um, but he's big on the grace of God and he hates evil. So yeah, I think he's great. I think he's wonderful. And who do you choose to shepherd your flock in your post-COVID church? Uh, well, uh, some people might get upset with me because I'm going to pick a guy who has already passed away, but I'm going to pick Charles Spurgeon because I feel like he's one of uh, one of the best pastors to have uh, to have been put on this earth, um, you know, all due to Christ and God, of course. Um, he, uh, he's one of the most quotable persons, one of, the, one of the guys who you can honestly say spent his whole life um, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, living for Christ, re writing messages. Um, that's what he did. That, that is what he, his life goal and mission was. And so I think there couldn't be anyone better to be a lead pastor than him. So that would be my choice. Um, the next category is men's leader. Um, so for me, I would choose John Piper, um, just because I love him as a person. I feel like he, uh, just his story of how God took him from somebody who hated public speaking and couldn't stand in front of public, uh, in the public and speak at all and ends up being one of the leading pastors, um, of our time and writing books and the way he, uh, way he puts things eloquently is um is one of the things that i admire about him so i would definitely have him as a men's leader because i feel like he would do very well with uh with men and encouraging them and getting them uh focused and following christ uh so brendan who would you have as your men's leader i would choose les felder uh, a controversial figure a lot of people don't like him um people who hear him teach once usually don't ask him to teach twice <laughs> but he's <laughs> superb and phenomenal unpacking the books of ball um very very 
big on teaching about the identity of the body of Christ at this time in the world as a unique people group set aside to be holy onto our God. Um, we've got great revelation on the Booga revelation um, as it pertains to future events, you know, the rapture, the Antichrist, the end times, the Millennial Kingdom. Yeah, I think he's wonderful. And I think he would whip the often passive men in the body of Christ into shape. Um, for the female equivalent, um, I would choose Charlotte Gamble from Bradford, Leeds, UK, to shepherd the women's ministry. She has an amazing testimony of how she overcame barrenness to ultimately produce two beautiful children um, due to a, a rare form of diabetes that stopped her from getting pregnant beforehand. Um, she, she loved the Lord her God with all of her heart and soul. And when the lockdown began, she would record herself giving sermons on Instagram. And I have to say, they were, they were very short, you know, five to 20 minutes long, but they were just, they just helped fuel um, my, my soul with, with excitement, peace, and hope during those initial stages of global confusion. And as uh, she puts on wonderful events with her American BFF, Natalie Grant, All Dare to Be, where they fill up the sta stadiums and arenas. They lift the name of Jesus high, and they really do honor um, members of the congregation who have withstood incredible testing to give glory unto our God. So I think she's amazing. Um, who would you choose to look after your ladies? Uh, I would pick John John Piper's wife, Noelle Piper. Um, she's a very encouraging yeah. uh, person for him. Uh, <laughs> I think he he's he said he's he always asks her if if God called me to go to Africa and be a missionary, uh, what would you do? And her response is always, "All right, I'll pack my bags," <laughs> uh, which is just an awesome an awesome person, uh, a very supportive woman. Um, and I, we all need those kind of people in our lives. It's people who are just willing to go where we're going and follow us where we go. Um, so. Uh, yeah. definitely I think she would do very well with teaching ladies um, as for worship leader is the next category um, for my worship leader I would be picking for king and country um, because if you're gonna pick if you're gonna pick somebody why not pick a good band that is very good and is good live as well um, so I would definitely be picking <laughs> for king and country um, I I like all of their song, most of their songs. I'm a big fan, so that would be my uh, that'd be my pick. How about you, Brendan? Who would you have as your worship leaders? I really like Jesus Culture. Actually, I don't listen to a heck of a lot of mainstream Christian music, um, but Kim Walker Smith, uh, in particular, just has such an amazing voice, and. Um, such a, a gentle disposition, but mightily loves people, mightily loves the Lord, and, uh, and mightily serves him with all of her being. And uh, I once listened to one of their songs until like 1am one night, and I went to work at uh, 6 
a.m. the next morning. And one of my students um, was going to get injections to facilitate uh, an ungodly lifestyle that he'd been maintaining up to that point. And I just thought I'd pray for him just that nothing would go awry and that God would make him be brave. He was afraid of the length of needles. And um, he was like, oh, teacher, you're a Christian. And I thought, great, now I'm going to get fired. <laughs> but I just spoke very openly about my faith and Jesus' culture came up in the course of things. I said that Christian music had always made him feel very peaceful. So I gave him a list of some Jesus Culture songs to listen to, and a few other ones as well. And he has now done a complete 180. He's repented. He's thrown himself from the cross of Calvary. And he teaches the gospel in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, anointed music by people who, who, who love the Lord and give it their all. Um, but, you know, we don't only serve the Lord through music. We also serve the Lord by going where the people are. So for world missions, I would put Joyce Meyer on one of her jets and I would ship her off because I know that she can make the money <laughs> to feed the orphans and the widows and the poor. So Joyce, have a lovely, lovely trip. Logan, who would you choose? So, contrary to what Brendan did, I would go with actually the heart of missions rather than the money yeah. of missions. <laughs> um, you can't spend harsh, you can only so spend money. I would... Um, I would I would go with David Platt. Um, the guy has a, a podcast that he does every single day where he... Where he... Where he uh, just... Uh, where he prays over a passage of scripture and then the end is always uh, an unreached people group that he prays for. Um, and so he's been to unreached people groups. He's gone across the globe and I think he would be very good about sending people where they need to go. Um, not necessarily where they'd have a good time in Paris, um, but that they would go to <laughs> spread the gospel. And um, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just think he would be, he would be, a, great, uh, he would be a great missions leader. Oh, goodness. All right. Uh, continuing on, um, youth leader. Uh, I would have my youth leader be Paul Washer. Um, simply for the, the lulls of it, because uh, his, his, uh, he had a message to a college kids, and he was talking about how people need to repent, repent and believe and all the sinful lifestyle that people were a part of. And he got a round of applause. And he, without skipping a beat, says, I'm talking about all of you. I don't know why you're clapping. And <laughs> I just think the youth need that. They need just uh, to not have so big of egos, and they, they need uh, to be taken down a couple pegs. So I think he would do a good job of doing that. <laughs> How about you, Brandon? Who would you have as your, uh, your youth leader? <laughs> okay, I've only ever seen 20 seconds of Paul Washer, and they were probably those 20 seconds. And I said, eh, not my cup of tea. <laughs> I'm okay people speaking to people like that myself. 
I don't need someone doing it for me uh, or toward me. Um, I'd probably go with the opposite disposition, actually. I'd go with Judah Smith. I haven't listened to him in years. I assume he's still on the go. Um, so I disliked his sermons, so I stopped. I just couldn't carve about 50 minutes um, at a time to listen to him preach. Um, but yeah, I think he has very cleverly used anecdotes. More than I personally would use, but he uses them effectively. Um, and yeah, he, he's big on teaching about the grace of Jesus and the love of Jesus. And obviously, you know, any good Christian parents, you know, will help with the refining process. But insofar as actually getting the gospel message out there, I have to say I've heard very few people communicate it as effectively as he has himself. Um, okay, so there's the youth. The next, we need a televangelist. And because, hello, unless you have like, you know, your own TV station or YouTube channel, you don't really cut the postmodern 21st century church category anymore. Um, I would probably go with the lovely Joni Lamb. She just seems like the loveliest lady. Um, she just sits around on her show, Joni Table Talk, with her best friends, drinking tea and coffee, talking about Jesus. And I just think it is the most wonderful, organic platform I've ever seen for gospel spreading in my life, other than friendship evangelism. So yeah, I could just sit around and listen to her talk and watch her drink coffee all day long. So Joni, she's my televangelist. Who would you choose? Uh, I would pick Alistair Begg. He's from not too far. He's, he's a pastor in Cleveland. Not too far. It's very awesome okay. Scottish accent. You could listen to him all day. Um, he's just uh, a great, a great man of God. And um, I think if I ever had to like go to a, a bigger church, like a more mega church style thing, I would go to his church because mm. he uh, he shares the gospel very well and and definitely cares about people. So I think as a televangelist, that's something that. That uh, isn't seen very well much, but I think he would do very well with. Um, mm-hmm. So wow. the next category is Bible college teacher. Um, so for me, my Bible college teacher, I would pick, I would pick John MacArthur. I think the guy has very good um, beliefs yeah. and good systems, and I think that'd be good for college mm-hmm. kids to, to hear from a generation or two prior, and. Um, get into the word like they need to be. Wow. Um, so I think he would fit well for that role in teaching them. Um, I think he'd enjoy it. And uh, yeah, that would, he would, he would be mine. So how about you? Who would you have as your, uh, your Bible college teacher? Wow. Yeah, I would go with Marcella Boyle. She's an Irish woman who lives in Australia. Um, hmm. I went, first heard her speak at a world missions event. And I noticed she didn't use the word sermon. She said she gave lectures. And she would just stand in the spot, not move, nothing flashy, nothing showy, no mild hand gestures, no silly anecdotes um, about her marriage and this, that, and the other. Um, just very, very 
basic in its overall presentation, but a very thorough, mm. in-depth knowledge of the word and the world that she was teaching. And I've only heard her speak made two or three times, but wow, every one of them has left a significant impression. So I think for young people and, and older students as well to sit under her teaching as she opens up the Bible and unpacks the word will just be phenomenal. She did an amazing job. Um, and let's not forget the children. Um, you know, it's about the youth and the college age kids. But uh, for children's ministry, I would choose you so that we could spend more time together. And if you spoke nonsensical Aww. theological bullcrap, I could clip around the ear. And not just glare at you through the screen. <laughs> Who would you put over your children? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, because he glares at me through the screen all the time. Um, <laughs> I would probably pick, uh, I'd pick J.D. Greer. I'm not picking Brendan. I'm not doing that. I'm not stooping to his level. <laughs> he would, he, For some reason, you're not no, stupid not enough to trust um, your I'd children. Pick... This is also probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not going to say I'm like, not. The uh, guy drinks the, the hammer. He's hardly um, stable. I plead the, I plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. Um, I would pick J.D. Greer. Um, I think he he has fostered a bunch of kids. He's adopted a bunch of kids. And the way he treats the those he adopts or fosters, he treats them like they're his children, um, which I think is something that is very respectable. And I think he'd do a very good job with, with training them in the way they should go so i would definitely have him as uh as uh the kids ministry um and the last the last group is a street pastor so this is the pastor that uh goes out and is does all the like uh talking to all the the people on the street and um going up and down and evangelizing and the great stuff. Um, for me, I would pick uh, max styles um he is uh he was a pastor over in um, Afghanistan, um, during the Afghanistan war. And so the guy has seen a lot, been through a lot, um, been through a war zone. And so I think he would do very well just going out into the streets and, and being able to share Christ with people. And he's definitely is a man who, who cares about college kids and younger people. Um, I think he'd do very well, uh, did very well in that role. So, uh, Brendan, uh, <laughs> Who would you have in that role? <laughs> Disclaimer notice. I have never listened to one of these guys' sermons. I don't know what he's like. I've only heard to avoid him. <laughs> but I would choose Benny Hinn. Because I read a profile review on some of the biggest pastors in the world yesterday. And for him, his only bio line was that he has incorrectly predicted the end of the world twice and i think that is exactly what the world needs to hear the world is ending there will be fire and brimstone falling from the sky by tomorrow oh tomorrow's church maybe you should be there i think he would put butts on seats he'd be great i'm going with benny <laughs> and listen if he does speak theological tripe like many people have told me he does would it be the worst thing if he's out with the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the poor and something would happen? I don't know. But if he's legit, even better. 
I joke, Laura. I joke, Laura. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Uh. So, guys, right. we need well, you guys to decide uh, which of these post COVID churches is the best one to go to. If you have been deceased, yes. meaning that Logan's skeletal, half dead, undead, mostly dead, pastoral lineup, whatever that was, is worth sitting under. Well, uh, there's a prayer line that you can call. The number's in the chat box below. If you have common sense and you know that my church is the one to go to, give this video a, a thumbs up. Let us know by email. Let us know in the chat box. Just message us. Go on every statistic and, and platform that exists and just say that, you know, my church is the best one. And uh, I look forward to seeing you there when our doors open. <laughs> And again, Logan's is the best. I pray deliverance over you. <laughs> yes, and you can always send us an email at from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com letting us know that uh, or choosing which side. So please do that. Uh, with that, let's get into our, uh, our passage of scripture. Brendan, if you would uh, read it for us and give us some thoughts on it. Sure. All right, guys, today's scripture comes from Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 13, all the way through to Isaiah 53, verse 12. It's pretty easy. You're just inverting the two and the three. Um, Isaiah is expected to have written these books at some point between 740 and 690 BC. So we're looking at about 700 years before Jesus' earthly ministry, and even before he came as a baby. But look at the absolute accuracy with which he prophesied. See, my servant will act wisely. That's God's servant. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, hello, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. I believe that's going to happen soon. But what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It's not saying Jesus was ugly, people, just that he didn't look like Brad Pitt. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Some passages say his stripes, because the whiplashes were in tiger stripe vogue. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his, guilt, his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils of the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for transgressors. That is possibly my favourite passage in the entirety of the Bible. And it's one of the most phenomenal and clearest presentations of what we now call the gospel or the good news. That although sin is a moral rot and has a stink in the nostrils of God and is so ugly that no holy God should even look upon it, that's what Jesus became for us, marred beyond human likeness, disfigured, a figure of disgust. I mean, watch the Passion of the Christ and just see what the whiplashes did to him. To have a crown made of thorns pierced into his skull. That's not just resting on his head, people. We're talking thorns that he creates in Genesis chapter 3, literally thrust into his scalp until the blood poured down his face. He was tortured by the people who in all of history are the most famous for torturing people. And not only was this done to him by the wicked, but it was done to him by the very people he'd come to save. How many of those who threw palm branches on Jesus' donkey a few days earlier were in that crowd shouting, crucify, crucify, God's doing this, you're disgusting, you're getting what you deserve. Another psalm talks about you know, the bulls of Bashan, the demons sitting around gnashing their teeth, mocking him. And Jesus, who made all these people and beings that had all turned against him, he did it with his mouth shut. 
without complaining. Because it was God's will that when you die, you could wake up in eternity. That Jesus would take you by the hand, walk up the steps to the throne of God and present you to the Father. And this was the only way to send you home to eternity. That your wickedness was an affront and an offence against an almighty holy God and had to be dealt with. But rather than lay a finger on you, God the Father preferred to lay it out on Jesus so we could go free. That is not just good news, that is the best news. So whatever it is you're doing in life that has set itself up against Jesus, whatever you're tolerating in your life that you know he doesn't like, whatever you're playing around with that, hello, he died for, killed your best friend, people. It's inexcusable. You can't tolerate it. You can't excuse it. If you believe in the good news as the best news, don't play around with something that you know Jesus hates. Don't play around with something that caused him to die on your behalf. Do a complete and utter 180, and there's no better weekend to choose to do it. And may, may you abide in the peace that his punishment has bought you. May you rejoice because of that man of sorrows who lived 2,000 years ago. And may your hope of seeing him smile at you and love you and hug you and kiss you and take you on adventures of heaven and the new earth for eternity just put a fire and a passion in your belly because it is the best news and nothing compares to it amen all right you logan what's that what thoughts were evoked as you heard that passage um i think i think the thing the, the, there are two thoughts the first one was on how he didn't he didn't uh, complain. He didn't revile them that were saying bad things about him. He easily could have. He's he's God, the Lord of the universe. He could have said, no, uh, I rebuke you for treating yeah. me this way, or rebuke you for saying that, or rebuke you for all these lies you spilled about me. Um, but he didn't. Um, and I think we could all learn stuff about being silent when people say stuff about us, because you know, our characters, who we are, should be able to speak for ourselves of what we are and what Christ is about when we don't complain like everyone else does. Um, but even more so, none of this is possible. None of us, this, you know, him cleansing us of our, of our sins or, um, or anything, none of it's possible if he doesn't rise again. Um, that has to happen. He has to rise again. He has to do that miracle and conquer death forever. Amen. Because if death still has its power, then we're wasting our time. We're wasting our lives following Christ. We're wasting our time being in church. We're wasting our time supporting it. We're wasting our time. But because he died and he rose again, um, which nobody else has ever done, <laughs> nobody in terms of without without his power, nobody's done it. Um, without without God's power, nobody has risen again. Um, he has he has to be the one who had to rise by himself from the dead. Um, through God's power, and that's the reason we, we celebrate, we worship, we do all those things because he did that. He rose again. He, he conquered death forever. Death doesn't have a 
thing, death has no victory. Death doesn't get away. Satan doesn't win at the end. It's going to be him. He's going to win. Um, and so with that and with the rest of uh, this week and this weekend to go forward, I hope that uh, each of you have a lovely Easter, that God um, blesses you through this Easter season, um, but that you remember what Easter is about. Easter is not about eggs or chocolate bunnies or uh, gift baskets or any of those kind of things. Uh, Easter is about Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross and rising again on Sunday. And that's why we say he's risen um, because he is. He's not dead like every other uh, religious leader from out from through all out history. They're all dead. Christ is still alive. He's sitting on the throne, and we're going to see him one day. So, um, with that, uh, yeah. we will. You'll hear from us next week. Uh, we'll see you next mm-hmm. week, and have yourselves a good Easter and a good week. Um, uh, anything you want to add before we go, Brendan? Yeah, I just pray that the peace of Jesus abide with everyone who's heard this, you and your families. You already carry peace, the fruit of Holy Spirit. We just pray that Holy Spirit activates it to all of our listeners and that you you walk in all the days of your life and that the joy of the Lord will be your strength, that your hope will never be in things or people will always be in Jesus. You can want things. You can desire things. You can hope for results. But may your hope be in Jesus. In four little prepositions, world difference. And Mm. as you know for your family and friends this weekend. Amen. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.